today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. What's going to be the testimony of our life in the next generation, should the Lord tarry? What's the 15 minutes of fame in our life? Is somebody going to look at us and say, oh, I remember him and this particular incident? Or I remember her and and how she responded on that day. And, And is there a remembrance going to be, man, that blessed me so much when I saw that. I was so encouraged in my walk with the Lord. Or would it be that, that man, when I saw that in his life, and and he said that he had a testimony of Christ, but then I saw the way that he really and truly lived. What's going to be your 15 minutes of fame? What is going to be your 15 minutes of fame? In today's message from Pastor David, he encourages us to live a positive testimony for the gospel, to be remembered for being an encouragement and blessing to others, to bring fame, not shame, to the gospel, As Christian believers, we want to be remembered for walking out the Christian faith well and sharing the power of God's truth with others through our lives. Remember to walk out your faith and be a positive testimony for Christ. Now here's Pastor David with part one of his message, An Empowered Ministry. It was back in the 1960s that a fellow that was uh, pretty famous, maybe even infamous in some cases, Andy Warhol, you may remember him, some of you. Well, he, uh, in an interview, made a statement that from that statement not only became popular, but from that statement actually a phrase came about that uh, actually gained more popularity and is still used quite a bit today. The statement that Warhol declared was, in the future, everyone will be world famous for 15 minutes. And so you know the phrase, uh, 15 minutes of fame. And again, we, we still speak of that today. And, and we, actually, we see it even more so today with the rise of uh, social media. We see, again, the whole idea of viral videos and reality TV, everybody getting that 15 minutes of fame. But what if your name was known? Was known not just for 15 minutes, but actually known for all time. Again, generations from now, people would look back and they would read or see your name. And from just seeing or hearing your name, a picture would be conjured up, a a lifestyle or a life pattern would be conjured up because your name had been mentioned. Well, throughout the Bible, there's all kinds of names that are only one-mentioned names. We, we don't know a whole lot about them either way. Their, their name is just listed there for all time and eternity. Their name is listed in the Word of God. Now, some of those, though we don't have the background, though we don't have the history, we don't have a before, we don't have an after, we realize from the context of how they're listed that it might be in a rather negative sense that they're listed. 
Some are listed in a very positive way. Actually, for better or for worse, for positive or negative example, those names now remain before us as a testimony of how they live their lives and how we should or perhaps should not live our lives. Today, we're actually going to look at three names, two that are equated with failure, one that's uh, actually connected with righteousness. Um, And for each man, it's not just 15 minutes of fame. Their fame actually follows them generation after generation after generation because their names are written in the Word of God for each generation to read and see. We are in the book of 2 Timothy. We have gone through uh, this portion of 2 Timothy for a while as we've worked our way through chapter 1. We're going to finish up chapter 1 today and actually get into chapter 2. So uh, miracles, miracles, they'll happen all the time. As we look at the end of chapter 1, we're down in verse 15. I invite you to look there with me if you would. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, down in verse 15, Paul writing to young Timothy, he says, Timothy, this you know that all those in Asia have turned away from me, and among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. Now, let me stop right here. Phygelus and Hermogenes, I've looked, I've read, I've listened to multiple resources this last week, and I have no less than four different ways to pronounce their names, okay? So from here on in, it's Phil and Herman, Okay, Phil and Herman, you got that. And their names are the ones that we'll look at today. So the, the sum total of everything that we know about Phil and Herman is listed right here in, in verse 15 of 2 Timothy. Their, their legacy actually throughout now all of millennia from, from the time that Paul wrote this in the late 60s A.D., till today and until the Lord comes, their whole heritage is they turned away from the Apostle Paul. And in turning away from the Apostle Paul, they most likely even turned away from the gospel. For some reason, as as Paul writes, all those in Asia have turned away. For some reason, he lists these two guys. Now, how would you like your name to be in that list? (laughs) Look at why we weren't the only ones. Why do you put my name down there for everybody to list? What is it about these two guys? Well, we don't know a whole lot. They have Greek names, but We don't know beyond that. Uh, Could they have been leaders in the church at some point in time? We don't know that. Were they young converts and yet maybe not quite uh, strong enough in their faith? So when the press and the persecution came, they, they backed away. Apparently, Timothy knew these men, not only these, but the next one that we'll be sharing. And perhaps he knew them because perhaps they, like Timothy, had been protégés of the Apostle Paul and had traveled with Paul for a while and ministered with Paul for a while. If they had been those companions, we just don't know. We have no way of knowing. And so really, speculation about them would be pretty much a waste of time. But what we do know is that these two have turned away from Paul during a time of his greatest need within his life. He is in that dungeon prison cell, chained there, awaiting the executioner's sword. And Paul says, everybody's turned away from me here. You understand that, Timothy. And that includes... Phil and Herman. When we get to chapter 4, we're going to read a whole list of names of different ones that that had left Paul at that particular time. 
that chapter four of, of Second Timothy is, man, it's a heartbreak chapter. As Paul, again, writes these very last of the last words that he writes. Because of the greater detail that we'll be able to get into in chapter four, we'll cover that particular situation with Paul when we get there. So let's move on. In verse 16, the tone actually changes. Now, instead of two that have turned away from the apostle, we read of a third one who's actually stood with him in the midst of all of his trials, in the midst of his sufferings. Look at verse 16. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. Now, Onesiphorus, we're going to stick with that name. I was going to call him Oni, but uh, we'll, we'll stick with Onesiphorus. He says, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously, and he found me. Oh, the Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. Just as the name of Phil and Herman, you know, they set there for all time, for all eternity, those that have turned away from Paul. So now Onesiphorus, we, we look at him. Now he stands not only as one that, that sought Paul out, but Paul clearly tells us, no, he zealously sought him out. And he was a guy that was going to remain faithful even in the midst of the chains, even in the midst of the situation that Paul finds himself. The contrast of these men is so extreme. It's the faithful one that's standing far and above those that were unfaithful. It's the one who was determined and had a committed heart to the apostle and I believe to the gospel that comes out as a shining example far above the blackness of the hearts of those that would cower away or would become uncomfortable because Paul was imprisoned. And I believe honestly that in their cowering away from the apostle Paul, I believe that they denied the very Lord that, that saved them at this point in time ashamed of this ambassador of Christ in chains, perhaps even ashamed of the gospel itself. Why do I say that? Why would I put that? Because of what Paul had just recently shared with Timothy here in chapter 1. Look up in verse 8. Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, and do not be ashamed of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God. These two men, though, They had become ashamed of Paul. They had become ashamed of his chains. And as I said, I believe most likely ashamed even of the gospel, not wanting to share in the sufferings. I believe that they they feared greatly when they saw what was going on with Paul, and so they backed way down from, again, their stand. They turned away from the apostle Paul. Then we look at that positive example of Onesiphorus, and he had gone before them. He he had a track record of, of faithfulness that actually went back to the time that the apostle Paul was in Ephesus. And again, we don't have a record of the events, but Paul remembered this particular brother's willingness to continually be available for the needs of the apostle, even as he had shared with him there in Ephesus. Verse 18, again, the Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day, and you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. When Paul speaks of Onesiphorus, One of the interesting things here, he speaks of that the Lord would grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. Later in chapter 4, he gives almost the same message to the household of Onesiphorus. We don't know what became of the brother. 
We don't know if perhaps he is imprisoned also, maybe a different prison, or maybe he's lost his life at this point in time. But Paul is speaking so highly of him because, again, the testimony of his life. So the question that I've got for you and I this morning, what's going to be the testimony of our life in the next generation, should the Lord tarry? What's the 15 minutes of fame in our life? Is somebody going to look at us and say, oh, I remember him and this particular incident? Or I remember her and, and how she responded on that day? And, and is there a remembrance going to be, man, that blessed me so much when I saw that? I was so encouraged in my walk with the Lord. Or would it be that, that man, when I saw that in his life, and, and he said that he had a testimony of Christ, but then I saw the way that he really and truly lived. What's going to be your 15 minutes of fame? Beloved, I believe that, again, in the economy and in the time frame of God, all our 15 minutes matter. Not just one, but all of them. Are we the ones who stood up for the testimony of Christ, even in difficult situations? Or are we the ones that would shrink back when, when the press of persecution begins to rise. And as I've shared with you as a congregation, both Wednesday nights and on Sunday nights, I believe uh, several times over the last couple of months, is that the reality and the truth of persecution, your ability to be able to stand strong in Christ is becoming more and more difficult in our current climate of our culture. We look at what's going on in our world and in, in, in politics and in the whole mores of our society, and we understand that we truly are becoming, if we are not fully and completely there, we are becoming a post-Christian society, primarily because I don't believe Christianity has as much influence on our society today as it used to. And beloved, the more we move toward that, the harder it's going to be for you and I to take a stand for Christ. So I say that to say this. If you're not standing for Christ boldly right now, where will you stand and how will you be able to stand when the press comes? Isaiah speaks on that. How can you, how can you dare to, to think that you're going to keep up with the horsemen when you're not even able to stand with the foot soldiers at this point in time? Will your 15 minutes be of fame or shame? Let's move on. I told you we'd get to chapter two. Chapter two, beginning there, Paul writes, you therefore my son. I've got, I've got to stop right there because you know, whenever we see therefore, we have to remember what the therefore is therefore, correct? What, what, why does he say therefore? Well, because of all that he stated, all that he stated before about uh, Timothy, don't, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of me. I want you to know about those that have been ashamed, those that have turned away. Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Here, as the Apostle Paul once again refers to young Timothy as his son, we're, we're continually reminded of this relationship of the, the Apostle with his young protege. Uh, the, the actual word that's used in the Greek there is technon, technon. And though there, there's 
a multiple of words that are used within the New Testament and within the Greek language to speak of children. Technon itself speaks primarily of the very young or the very little child. It's a word that's used with, with tenderness, used with, with caring. It's much like you would speak of just a, a small little child, a, a, that, that precious little one, just that adorable little one, that love that you could have for a child of that age. And Paul uses this word actually often Often in, in, in addressing Timothy and Titus, again, both of these guys, young protégés, young, those men that Paul sent out to, to minister and to serve. But you know what? Paul also uses that word many times when he speaks to the church, to the church, just the people in the body of Christ. He writes to the church in Corinth. He addresses them as my beloved children. The church there in Corinth, the, the, the one that, that, that Paul himself, he, he gave birth to that church and my beloved children, the care and concern that he had for them. When he writes to the church of Galatia, he speaks not only to the church, but he speaks with the church as, as he says, we are children of promise. We are the little ones of the promise of God. We're the dear ones, the precious ones in the sight of God to the promise of God. He tells the church there in Ephesus, the church that Timothy was pastoring, he says that prior to our coming to Christ, we were just little bitty children, but we were children of wrath. In other words, man, we we were under condemnation even as these little ones. But he says now that we are followers of God, we're followers of God as dear children. It's like when a a small child walking behind his father and tries to walk in those same footsteps or tries to keep up with the father, those dear children of God. We walk now, he says, as children of light. And on and on we could go through the word as, as the apostle uses that particular word so often. And I wanted to share that particular thing with you this morning to help you get a a great idea of the heart of the Apostle Paul. I know for me, too many times I I think of the Apostle Paul, I think of this gruff old guy, you know, man, you know, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, and he was above all of his peers and everything. And I always go back to that first missionary journey when John Mark, who was with them, he decided, no, I'm, I'm going back home to mama. And then it came time for the next missionary journey. And Barnabas says, hey, why don't we bring, you know, John Mark, my cousin with us? And Paul says, no way. I'm not bringing that kid. He's a quitter. Well, okay, that, maybe that's not Paul's words, but you understand the meaning. I, I look at Paul as kind of that way, particularly younger on, earlier on in his ministry. I believe that there's something within Paul's life that even as he began to minister, even as he began to face persecution and trials himself, I believe a tenderness started to develop for those that were in Christ, for those that were walking. We see this so much, not only in his letters, but in particular to his letters here to Timothy and then a little bit later to to Titus. And I believe because he had such a caring and such a, a loving heart for the church and for brothers and sisters in Christ, I believe he gave his whole heart, and I believe that's why it hurt him so much that at the very end of his days, to find those that had been walking with him, had been ministering with him, that they've abandoned him, and perhaps even the gospel. And I believe that that broke Paul's heart. At the end of his days, at the end of his battle, as he stayed true to the gospel, as he stayed true to the call of God in his life, 
to see these others that are backing away and, and pulling away. Yeah, I believe it impacted him pretty powerfully. Here in 2 Timothy 2, Paul tells Timothy, he says, Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What was rather surprising to me as I was studying this, reading different writers as they shared about this passage, a lot of them spoke about the fact, well, well, Timothy needed to be strong because Timothy, there was, there was apparently some kind of a, a, a weakness in, in his life, in his makeup. Maybe there was a, a meekness uh, for him as an individual. And so Paul is saying, no, man, you need to be strong. Some kind of pulled the understanding that maybe with uh, Timothy's uh, stomach problems that he speaks about in First Timothy, that, that maybe they, they kind of felt that, no, you need to be strong in the Lord. Some thought that, well, maybe because he he was a young man in the ministry. And even as Paul encourages him in 1 Timothy, man, don't, don't let them despise their youth. That, that maybe that's why Timothy needed to be strong because he was just too meek, he was too mild. But you know what? I, I Personally, I don't agree with any of those conclusions. I, I look at this within the context of what he's writing, and I read here a, a, a seasoned minister of the gospel, a seasoned missionary, somebody that has gone through such hard times and has had such uh, a rough experience within the gospel of Christ. And here he's talking to this young pastor, to young Timothy, And I believe in essence what he's saying is, look, Timothy, don't try to do this on your own power. You've got to do this in and by and through the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You cannot do it on your own. You have to rely upon the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I believe that Paul wanted to make certain that Timothy understood and that he continually went back to the one from whence cometh his help that he knew that his help comes from the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. I've heard it said, and whoever it was, it stated that the ministry uh, is, is an easy job, uh, that being in the ministry, well, that's, that, that can't be too difficult. After all, you, you only work two hours a, a week or so. It can't be very difficult. Uh, why, pastors, they, they don't even live in the real world uh, with the rest of us. Well, well, whoever states those things, I'd like to talk with them a little bit. A little bit behind the shed and then a little bit in my office, both ways. <laughs> if the ministry is simple and easy and there's no press in the ministry, then I submit to you that it's probably a non-biblical non-Christ-centered, non-gospel-preaching ministry. Because you see, the enemy of our souls, you could preach that message all day long and it's not going to disturb him at all. I dare say that someone who's said those kinds of things, they've definitely never pastored over any period of time, particularly pastoring a church that proclaims the reality and the truth of sin and of righteousness and the need for repentance and the need for conversion in lives and the need to walk in righteousness and to walk in the fullness of our conversion declaration. Because you see, that steps on toes, doesn't it? Some folks have told me after the particular message, well, pastor, you really stepped all over my toes. I have to admit to you, you know what? My toes have been stepped on the whole week or two prior to that as I've studied it and prepared for it. That's the type of ministry that I believe that Timothy was doing. And that's why Paul was telling me, Timothy, man, make 
sure and stay strong in the grace that is in our Lord Jesus. Thanks for tuning in today to The Open Word. Pastor David has been taking us through the book of 2 Timothy, sharing the Apostle Paul's insights and wise words for us to learn from. If you'd like to listen again to today's teaching, you can do so by simply visiting theopenword.com. Click on the Teachings tab to access these messages and be sure to subscribe to our podcast to never miss an update. At our website, you can also find out more about Pastor David and the ministry of The Open Word. We love that we get to share Pastor David's teachings with you here on The Open Word, and we'd like to ask you to be a part of what we're doing here. To tell you more, here's Pastor David. You know I love being able to share the Word of God with you through this radio ministry. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. I know God is blessing His children through The Open Word, And God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Your gift, large or small, is greatly appreciated for the kingdom of God. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for being a part of our listening audience. That's all we have time for today. But join us again as we continue digging deeper into the book of 2 Timothy, right here on The Open Word.